This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. So I'm joined by Murray Gunn, who is an analyst with uh, Elliott Wave. Um, Murray, the markets have gone into meltdown and people are saying this could be another 2008. But is that really the case? I mean, there's been a shock to the oil prices um, following <clears throat> this uh, trade, well, these wars that Saudi and Russia have both started in terms of effectively cutting prices through their actions. Um, but this isn't yet an economic meltdown in the way that 2008 was. I mean, do you, do you think it's really as bad as it's, uh, it's saying, or is this just too early to say? Well, thanks, Ben. Yes, uh, uh, Elliot Wave uh, International, um, ElliotWave.com, we take the view that this is the start of a much bigger uh, contraction in, in, in the global economy. And we've been looking at that point of view for quite a while now in terms of you know, our model looks at the structure of markets based on uh, social mood and um, crowd behaviour. And the patterns that we've been noticing in many markets uh, over the last couple of years has, has been pointing to uh, something like this uh, happening. And um, so, yes, we think it has legs. So the, the sentiment is poor. Um, and again, we're hearing from the market, you know, people are moving. I mean, gold price has gone over 17,000 uh, in the last few days that the entire U.S. Treasury bill uh, yield curve has gone below 1% as people charge into those uh, bonds as traditional safe havens. Um, but the oil price itself, uh, does it have a direct knock-on, isn't it? I mean, there's lots of countries, Turkey springs to mind, that are going to do well from lower oil prices. And at the same time, Russia is uh, fairly well protected in so much as it spent several years now sanction-proofing itself. It's got massive reserves and the budget breaks even at $42. So they could weather this storm. Countries like China, again, benefit from lower prices. How does that actually work? Well, yes, uh, I, the, I was reminded today of uh, Donald Trump's uh, tweet from uh, 2018 when he he tweeted that uh, uh, the oil price had just come down and it was a big, like a big tax cut for uh, Americans and for the global economy. So um, it was really, really good news. And um, I, I haven't seen anything from him today whether uh, you know that that's going to be the same sort of case. But if as, and, and many, you're, you're correct. You know, many economists do um, think that a lower oil price is, is good for uh, certain economies and, and, and good for the, an economy in general because it means it's a, it's a sort of lower tax. Um, and it, so, if that was the case, then we should all be rejoicing today and, and all be going out and, and buying stocks like crazy. Obviously, shouldn't we? And mm. So, you know, the fact that this isn't happening is just another. We, we like the Elliott Wave International. We like to sort of debunk the the conventional analysts myths that uh, are talked about, and uh, and this is definitely one of them. Because if you look at the last three uh, U.S. recessions, they've all been accompanied by you know, oil prices uh, coming down. So uh, sure, uh, um, as what we like to call social mood, as social mood. 
um, hits the bottom and starts uh, trending positively again, uh, then the economies can come out of their recessions and their slowdowns. Um, but that is after uh, oil prices have come down. The causality is 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 the other way around. The, the economies don't improve because of low oil prices. It's just the fact that oil prices have come down because of the previous negative mood trend. And do you have a view on oil price uh, going forward? I mean, the Ministry of Finance in Russia has a scenario which they released um, at the end of last year where they were gaming out oil prices you know, below 40, at 30, at 20. And scarily, their predictions were like, yes, and what happens if oil stays at $30 for the next five years? I mean, some people are saying that this is going to be a long-run thing, uh, that oil prices you know, have, have stepped down um, for the foreseeable future. Mm. Well, certainly our model would would point to that. Uh, Steve Craig, our uh, energy analyst at LA Wave International, uh, has been on this downtrend in oil for uh, quite a while now and been calling it superbly. Um, just last week, he, he uh, told subscribers to uh, on Friday night to, to beware of a, a big move down in the markets. And obviously, that's, that's happened uh, over the weekend. But the you know that's not guessing. What we do is we we look at patterns in in the market, and the patterns, the price patterns, which are a reflection of sentiment, uh, a reflection of mood. Uh, they were certainly pointing to a big fall happening. And our model starts from the basis that it's waves of social mood that drive everything, and that social mood can be measured by looking at the market, um, and specifically looking at the stock market. So it's interesting with Russia and and Saudi Arabia because. If you look at the Russian and Saudi Arabian stock markets, we've had bear market patterns going on there for quite a while. Uh, and that means that the underlying social mood in both Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia and in Russia has been or is negative. Uh, and so when social mood is negative, people tend to fall out. So it's not uh, – we like to look at it from a, what we call a socioeconomic point of, point of view, um, socioeconomics.net is the uh, website if anyone's interested in that. Um, and it's, it, what we say is it's not wars that make people angry. It's angry people that make wars. So uh, we, get the, we, we, we turn the causality that most people think on its head. Mm-hmm. So in this light, it makes, to, it makes total sense that, that Russia and Saudi you know, have fallen out. And yes, we can talk about conspiracy theories about you know, whether they're doing it in tandem and stuff like that. But from our point of view, it's quite simple. Both countries had negative mood trends and the, the situation was ripe for um, uh, a disagreement and a falling out uh, to happen. And of so, course, uh, this comes, uh, I mean, you're talking about negative sentiment. I mean, we, we've got the coronavirus now ripping around the world, pandemic fears. I mean, that's seriously unsettling. Does something like that then catalyze these sentiments? I mean, surely it just makes everyone that much more nervous and is going to drive this trend that much faster. Certainly. Uh, again, you know, social mood is, is the driver here. So uh, if social mood was very positive, then uh, a, pa- a, a pandemic or um, the risk of a pandemic coming through um, would generally be shrugged off. Uh, so if you think of the late 90s, you know, in a bull market like that, when social mood is really, really positive, um, 
something like this could have been uh, shrugged off by people because people are positive. It's when people are negative, when social mood is underlying, has an underlying negative trend, that's when people uh, pick up on these, um, uh, th this nervousness that's uh, engulfing the world at the moment. And that uh, and, and, you know, is a manifestation of the negative trend in social mood. And it certainly, um, you know, obviously hasn't helped. You know, again, people are talking about the, the causality that uh, the markets are doing because of the, the virus. You know, we would say that certainly that social mood was already saying that there was going to be a big downturn in the markets. And it's just that this uh, virus has come along at the same time, exacerbating the situation. I mean, if you look at the, we've been saying to our subscribers for a while in terms of the, the, the downturn that, that was coming, uh, at the start of this year, you had um, sentiment in the stock market was unbelievably uh, bullish. You know, we had a record low cash to assets ratio in the US mutual funds. Um, the put call ratio was the most bullish since, since January uh, 19. Um, and, you know, things like the, the market cap uh, of the total stock market uh, as a percentage of GDP was as high as it was uh, in, at the end of the dot-com bubble. So U.S. stocks, global stocks were, were very you know, overvalued and they had been for some time. So um, the fact that this move now has taken place so quickly and with such a negative what we call breadth in the market. So all the stocks, you know, all sectors, all stocks are coming down. Essentially, yes, you've got the outperformers like the defences, utilities and things like that. Um, but the breadth has been so dramatically negative coming from a high in the market that it tells us as, as um, technical analysts that it's actually uh, the kickoff to uh, a new downtrend in the markets rather than rather than the end of something. It's actually the start of something. Well, and that was the irony. I mean, we saw it emerging Europe. I mean, the Russian market... Um after five years of trading within this this band, 900 to 1300, had finally broken out above 1600. And the, uh, the, there were lots of individual stories before of companies um, catching up because it had been so cheap and because the you know, economy was growing. And then suddenly we had this boom where you know the market returned, whatever it was, 50% last year, and, and it was up like nearly 20% at the start of this year. But you're talking about then the, this optimistic bubble that formed that was really pretty short-lived, suddenly popping. And you're saying in the West that things were overvalued. Um, I think in the East, things were coming back to sort of sensible, normal valuations. But then the whole world got caught up in this sentiment pop. Um, and, and now we're going into effectively a global recession uh, that will be look like the same as 2008, 9, 10. Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, I, in every, every crisis, um, recession, depression is going to be slightly different uh, to the others. Um, we could make a case by saying this, this is actually, rather than 07, uh, 08, 09, uh, this is actually more akin to 1973-4 uh, in terms of the markets and you know what's been going on there. With you know, at that time, social mood had topped out and the markets were were ripe for a fall, and it happened to coincide with a with an oil shock as well. So um, we could make a case 
um, for saying that. But within within the global recession, there will be pockets, obviously, that uh, there will be a relative um, outperformers. And, and you know, our uh, Asia Pacific analyst, uh, Mark Galaswski, he's um, made a, a point uh, for a, a number of uh, weeks now that a- after the the uh, coronavirus uh, hit and it came out of China, uh, there's evidence that we've looked at over the decades to suggest that when social mood is negative, as I alluded to earlier on, when social mood is mood is, is negative and has been negative, as it has been in China over the last number of years, uh, in terms of looking at the stock market as, as a measurement of social mood, because the stock market has been down for a number of years there, that when social mood is negative, um, that societies are more susceptible to, to picking up these uh, uh, pandemics. And, but what is the important point here is that when that happens, it's not, it's, it often coincides with the end of a downtrend. Okay, so what we're looking at with China is that actually China could come out of this uh, quite quickly, and then it looks like it, it, it is. And so within the context of a global downturn, global recession, actually China could be an outperformer. From this point on? Yes, yeah. Because you take the virus, um, that um, these, I used to write for The Lancet, and then viruses, epidemics like this, flu, the seasonal one, tend to go in around six-month cycles. uh, And then after three months, it peaks, and then the infection rates start to peter out, and we're already seeing that in China. And it takes about six months to develop a vaccine, so that when it comes back for the second wave, then we're prepared and it becomes treatable. Of course, in Europe, it's just sort of getting started, which means that it's probably going to run through till the summer. But it does mean the second half of the year that the the pandemic fears um, should start to fade away. Um, And at the same time, there's an argument with the oil um, that Saudi Arabia can't... I mean, it it flooded the European markets with uh, heavily discounted oil um, on Saturday. Uh, and it's just driven this this downturn faster. But there's many people arguing that they're doing that to punish Russia and to drive them back to the negotiating table where uh, um, an OPEC plus deal will be thrashed out and then all prices will stabilize and return to whatever, 50, whatever, 55. Um, so it could be that all of this is over by the second half of this year, um, which means that this sell-off at the moment is a fantastic buying opportunity that we haven't seen since 2009. Um, and that, is it possible that the market will change? I mean, are these sentiments locked in? Are they tectonic forces that you can't undo them once they start moving? Or can it be turned around? I mean, you're suggesting that, that Russia, uh, sorry, China um, will bounce back and actually could be a good buy at the moment. Well, certainly, you're absolutely right. With, with any, within any big dramatic uh, fall in in markets, there's at uh, some point there will be bargains you know, to be had, and and that's you know when you know people have been prepared and they they have the cash uh, available, they can uh, invest at that time, and um, you know make a lot of money in, in the upswing. Um, we don't think we're anywhere near. There yet, and that, that's based on uh, the patterns that we see in the uh, stock market, uh, in particular, and and uh, to a certain degree in in, in the bond markets. Um, 
And so we think it definitely has uh, legs to continue. One of the things that we are anticipating in this downturn is that something that um, even now people are starting to allude to on the conventional side, and we've been talking about this for uh, a, a number of years at LA Wave International, is the fact that um, faith in central banks and governments has been one of the underpinnings uh, of uh, what's been happening over the last couple of decades, if you like, more than that, actually, as the, the great debt bubble has, uh, has been produced. And so what we think um, might be different this time is that when the central banks uh, have stepped in, and we saw a, a clear sign of this uh, just last week, obviously, when the, the, the Fed uh, st- stepped in to uh, try and calm the markets with an emergency uh, rate cut, uh, and that hasn't worked in inverted commas, if you see. We, we don't think the central banks can actually affect the markets, but uh, we know we recognise a lot of people do. Um it hasn't worked. The, the markets have continued to go down. Our view is that at some point in what we call the third wave of the fall, which we're, we're nowhere near yet, um, at some point in the middle of that third wave, that's when confidence will pretty much disappear in governments and central banks' ability to be able to turn things around. And so it's at that point that, that um, confidence will really, really take a, a dramatic uh, downturn. And so, in terms of, you know, you, you're saying can it can it continue? Certainly, when negative mood trends uh, start, they can last for a, a considerable length of time. And, and based on our analysis of the patterns that we're looking at at the moment, this one has got. Uh, at least uh, a number of months, um, you know, to run, if not, uh, if not years. And final question. Um, I mean, talking about sentiment. If you te- if you step back, we've been arguing at B and E. You know, th- there's some very big historical uh, proceeds going on here at the moment, and the fall of the Berlin Wall ushered in um, the rejoining of the socialist 3 billion people with the capitalist 3 billion people. So the first time the world was united into effectively a single market, if you want to put it in economic terms. And then, of course, you had the the chaos of the 90s, the transition, where the old systems collapsed and the new ones were starting to be built. That was followed by the noughties, which was a decade of optimism, where you know the, the groundwork had been done, companies were being setting up, people's lives were improving, uh, and we had this boom in the in the noughties um, where this optimism flourished. But then going into the teenies, I suppose that's what you have to call them, um, things have gone awry again. And we're seeing the rise of right-wing politics and illiberalism and fascism and the showdown between Russia and the US, um, the, the rise of right-wing politics in not just the emerging markets in Europe of of Poland and Hungary, um, but also um, closer to home uh, in and and the rise of Trump and and the rise of of Johnson. uh, And it's all gone wrong, if you like. Uh, And this has been feeding this negative um, sentiment. And I've heard it argued that it's because the post-socialist experiment the capitalism, the, the answer to the success of capitalism was more capitalism. 
And that's actually not working. The system is now failing people in so much as um, you... More capitalism has driven the rise of the big corporations, the growing inequalities, the end of social mobility in many societies, the states being a prime example. Um, and is your sentiment that this is all driven by these these forces, isn't it? Or which, which is to say that this is going to be, you know, a long-standing problem. And on top of that, now we've got the environmental problems, which is also arguing for a new economic model. But that it doesn't seem to be that on the horizon. I mean, sorry, this is all a bit philosophical, if you like, but uh, isn't isn't that what stands behind these waves of sentiment, that, that actually the whole generation now is is actually upset with the fact that the, the model that we've been living on, free market, is no longer delivering the goods to the people? Well, yes, um, I, I think that's, that's uh, very fair. What we would say, though, is that the causality, again, which I think you might have alluded to there, is uh, is is maybe different from what uh, conventional people would, would, would look at. And we would say that certainly the rise of the, the right-wing politics, the rise of nationalism, the rise of uh, you know, populism has, um, has taken place where... Net, where social mood has been trending negatively, and it, and certainly if you look at Europe, that's been the case. I mean, the European stock market, uh, Eurostox index itself, uh, topped out in 2000. So 20 years ago, there's been a 20-year bear market in Europe, and the stock market is our main measurement of social mood. So it's not surprising to us at all, and we've been Elliot Wave International have been writing about this for um, many, many years, that this this negative trend in social mood has meant that the stock market has gone down, which and, and also means that people are more and more, they vote for uh, populism, they vote for right-wing uh, politicians. UK and US is slightly different, but you mentioned the uh, you know inequality and that's been, uh, again, you know, one of these things that's been driven by by negative social mood. And um, what we say about that is that it's interesting. A lot of the conventional analysts they, they talk about the whole oh, some things should be done about inequality. Uh, you know, history doesn't uh, repeat, but it rhymes, as Mark Twain said. And, and if you look back in the 1920s. Um, and you could argue that we've had a, a, a boom equivalent to the 1920s in in the US, a decade-long, you know, run. In fact, in fact, longer, the longest expansion in US history. Um, but what happens then when when inequality levels were the same, uh, you know, as they are now? Uh, at that point, the top, you know, one percent having having much more than than everyone else. Um, Rather than government sorting it out, it's actually the natural movement of of social mood and the markets that drive the, the social mood that drives the markets. The markets sort sort it out themselves. So you know you see when the stock markets crash. I mean, how many you know multi billionaires will have lost multi billions in the last two or three weeks? You know, um, on paper, obviously. But this is this is the thing that the market has a has a natural way of sorting out inequality. And so this is what we think is happening at the moment. And this trend, um, you know, will continue. And it, it, it 
it um, it could be a dangerous time over the next uh, you know couple of years as as people get uh, get angrier. Murray, we're out of time. Um, on that depressing note, <laughs> I'd like to say thank you very much for taking the time to talk. It was very interesting. No problem, Ben. Thank you very much for inviting me on, and um, thank you. All the best. Thanks.